You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, episode 33 of season 3, episode 98. We're almost to 100 episodes and we would be to 100 episodes if not for the handful that I've deleted over the years that I po- posted, published, whatever, and then ended up taking down because I just thought, wow, that was awful. There were several early prototype episodes that the audio was just terrible on. And once I figured out how terrible it indeed was, by contrast, once I had a legitimate microphone and I wasn't recording on my iPhone, while driving, getting road noise, all kinds of background noise. I deleted those early prototype episodes and made what was probably episode three, four, something like that. Made that into the new episode one. But in any event, we're getting close to 100 episodes here officially. Unofficially, we're already there. And today I want to talk soberly about work history and about hostile work environments. I'm thinking of people that I know, people that I am close to or aware of who have to deal with hostile work environments. And I have some experience with hostile work environments because I have been in them before. For instance, when Lauren was expecting Josiah, she was pregnant with him early in our marriage, our first year of marriage. I worked for a flooring installer in Hillsborough, Ohio, Ralph Vance. Ralph Vance was a decent, hardworking, honest, straight shooter, but his nephew was a piece of work. His nephew picked and picked at, picked on, however you want to put it, me every chance he got. I'm 20 years old and some change. And if I say I like Jones Soda, he's going to make fun of Jones Soda. If I say I like a certain kind of music, he says that's not music. If I'm enthusiastic about a movie, he's going to run that movie down. Everything that I was excited about, he wanted to pour cold water on. And he was just not a pleasant person. It wasn't like oh, I'm going to make fun of this in a way that is funny, in a way that you get to laugh along with, it was a, you're ridiculous. I'm going to make you feel ridiculous by ridiculing you day in and day out, criticizing everything that you do, and just generally being an unfriendly, unpleasant person. Now, Brian Vance had some issues, and he was not dealing with those, I don't think, in a great way. I was naive, We had some issues, but I largely was not expecting when the last straw came and he ousted me. He got me fired. Brian Vance got upset because I made some comments after listening to a Vody Bauckham sermon during my lunch break. Vody Bauckham was preaching on qualifications for overseers and deacons from Timothy and Titus, Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, his disciples in the New Testament. 
Vody Bakum is talking about where Paul specifies in very clear terms and even expands on it for emphasis how important it is that an overseer and a deacon have his own house in order. He must be able to keep his own house, manage his own house well, and if he can't do that, he can't manage the church well either, and so you should not entrust him with leadership in the church, no matter his other qualities. If he can't manage his wife and his children well, if they don't respect him, if they don't listen to him, then you should not be putting him over the church. So I listen to the sermon, and I come back in from my lunch in the van, listening to this on the radio, Cedarville's radio station, Cedarville University, where I attended prior to marrying Lauren. We both attended. I come back in, and I'm enthusiastic about Vody Bacham's sermon because I've been to Baptist churches quite a lot by that point growing up. We mostly attended Baptist churches in Montana and Ohio. And I'm talking about this sermon as we're working on a flooring installation job at some dentist's office or something like that, some business. And I start describing what it is that the Honorable Vody Bakum was t- talking about, what he was saying, how he was unpacking this passage of the scriptures. And Brian, who was an ordained minister, a fill-in preacher, married to a divorced woman with some kids that had some behavior and attitude issues, scoffed at my enthusiasm. In fact, he likened what Vody Bakum was saying to Jim Jones, the cult leader. Um, what? You know, me, naive me, 20 years old, I don't know any better, but that doesn't make any sense. I don't know any better to maybe not point out that that doesn't make any sense. And so we get into a little bit of a back and forth, and he says he's done talking about this because I pointed out that that doesn't make sense. Jim Jones, that's the the scriptures, right? That's the Apostle Paul saying that. He's just reading what the text says. And I'm nonplussed because it's like, are you not familiar with what the text says? Like, you're an ordained minister. It was the next day that Ralph, my actual boss, who liked me, who got along with me, broke the news to me as my wife is coming down the home stretch on her pregnancy with our oldest son, our firstborn. I'm going to have to let you go. It's nothing you did. It's nothing you didn't do. You've done everything that I've asked you to do. You've been very easy to work with. If I had a son, I'd like him to be like you. That's what he said. That's what my boss said. If I had a son, I would be proud for him to be like you but I have to let you go because Brian is telling me either you go or he goes and he's got more experience and I need him more than I need you. It's nothing you did and I'm sorry. I'm going to have to let you go. It wasn't the first time Brian had run his help off. Brian's dad had committed suicide and he had some issues surrounding that. Obviously some issues in his own home with his marriage, with his step-parenting. All that's beside the point to the fact that that was an injustice, and it really put us in a bind. 
it really put us in a tough spot because now we're about to have our first child and I don't have a job. And it wasn't super easy to find a job as a 20-something kid whose experience to date other than that was hodgepodge. I'd worked part-time at the local YMCA as a personal fitness instructor before that, three and a half years, something like that, three years, 15 hours or less per week, 750, 725, something like that. It was minimum wage, whatever it was. Not a lot, but it was a little bit of spending money. I could buy music, go to the movies, eat out, that kind of stuff. And now I'm out of a job. Because I was getting bullied by a 30-something-year-old man, and I stood up for myself. I said something about it. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it didn't make sense. You fast forward a few years, and I'm working at Multicolor Corporation in Batavia, Ohio. And at first, I'm working with the shift lead, night shift, 12-hour shifts. It's a one-hour commute. I'm commuting back and forth with my own vehicle on my own dime, making, if you can believe it, $10 an hour. Whoa. I'm working under the leadership of a couple of gals that every chance they got, they were sneaking away and sneaking off. Turns out they were lesbians. Who knows what they were doing, but they weren't really minding the store. And I didn't like how they were conducting themselves. I thought it was dishonest and it lacked integrity. They ended, up, they ended up getting fired. And then the person who was moved in to replace them had been there for a long time, 20, 30 years. Her name was Pam. I don't remember her last name, but her name, first name was Pam. And again, I'm a young 20-something-year-old kid, 23, I think, by this point, maybe 24 I have some college under my belt, two years plus, and I'm working on my associate's degree online through Kaplan University. So I'm going to school full-time and also working full-time, night shift in Cincinnati, Ohio, commuting an hour at a time, plus also working 12-hour shifts once I get there to make $10 a day, standing on my feet in a loud factory, finishing labels for... Procter & Gamble, for instance, for detergent. And at first, when we got Pam as our shift lead, I was excited because she had all this experience. She had been there for a long time. She knew a lot, knew a lot about the process and the equipment. And she was going to teach us the right way to do things. And I expressed openly my enthusiasm for the fact that she was moving in. I wanted to learn everything I possibly could from her. I wanted to master every position in our department, the litho finishing department. Litho was a certain type of printing that was used for a lot of these detergent bottle labels that we were mass producing. And at first, Pam spoke as high as you possibly could of me and another guy, another young guy named Jacob. Jacob and Garrett have a great work ethic they're competent, they're enthusiastic, they're on the ball, they're hardworking. You guys should be like Jacob and Garrett, all you all. The rest of you all, watch them because they know what they're doing. Oh, well, thank you. 
the problem came when I was overachieving and I'm asking too many questions and I didn't pick up on the signs that she was losing patience with me because I'm asking questions, in-depth questions about how things work that she doesn't know the answers to in front of everybody. And I didn't have the sense to realize that I was making her look bad, apparently. The worst that it got were two instances, one in which I asked her to come take a look at a piece of equipment with me that a guy on the previous shift had asked me to show her. It was acting a little bit funny. He wasn't sure if maybe it was out of adjustment or needed some repairs or what was going on, but he wanted me to show her, see what she thought, at least make us aware of it. So I'm trying to do that, and she tells me it's fine without even looking at it. And I pressed the issue, and I said, well, can, can we just go take a look at it real quick? She snaps, slams the e-stop button on the machine that she's running. It's the very beginning of the shift. She tells me to follow her into the office. So we walk across the floor. She takes me into the office, sits me down, and proceeds to write me up and says that if I ever am insubordinate like that in front of the rest of the crew, I'll be fired. I'm just nonplussed. I can't believe it. What? What? I ended up going to HR because I shouldn't have been written up. I'm getting written up for asking a question and pressing a matter and her losing her temper in front of everybody. It's not my fault that she just responded the way that she did, but now she's trying to make it my fault, officially on record. I go to HR. HR says, we'll look into it. Thanks for letting us know. Next thing I know, the department manager is calling me into his office and chiding me for not having come directly to him. Why did you go to HR? Why didn't you come to me? Next thing I know, I'm finding out that Pam has been sent to anger management by the company several times during her 20, 30 years. And she would be much higher in the company if she knew how to work with people. But because she's so abrasive and because she's so short-tempered, because she's such a mean, unpleasant person, she hasn't been promoted in keeping with her understanding of things and her tenure. Now you tell me. Now you tell me she's got anger issues. That's great. Now that I'm on her bad side. Well, it got progressively worse. And all of a sudden, nothing I do is good enough. And she's running down everything that I do. And it's obvious that she's looking for any opportunity to get me out of there. To punish me for having not only embarrassed her in front of the rest of the crew, supposedly, but also for having gone to HR and also for having talked with the plant manager, department manager, whatever. It got worse. And on one shift, she ended up yelling at me and picking up this feeder. Oh, what do you call it? It was just, it was for catching scraps. I don't know what it was called. It was for catching scraps of labels after they'd been run through the die cutter. The trimmings would get sucked into this, go through a vacuum system 
into a trash compactor where they would just then be put into a bale form so they could be disposed of or recycled or whatever. And she picked this thing up and threw it. So then, of course, I'm going back to the plant manager or HR or whoever or both because this is not okay. She can't be storming around, slamming things, throwing things. That's not okay. She going to throw something at me next time? We work with some sharp, heavy metal things. How much is she going to lose her temper next time on me? getting transferred to the other shift, working with a different shift lead. But by then, I am the problem. And so even when I had a legitimate reason to call in, I got written up. I'm late because there's a traffic accident on my way and I can't help it, right? The road is blocked off because somebody had an accident. Emergency personnel are blocking the road and I could not get to work, literally could not get to work any quicker than five minutes after my shift was supposed to start. I got written up sufficient times for them to fire me, and then they fired me. Fast forward again, I work for a company called Total Quality Logistics in Milford, Ohio, another suburb of Cincinnati. And my first logistics broker that I'm an assistant for, very slick, very impatient, starts pressuring me to be dishonest in order to get loads booked. He wants me to lie to truck drivers and dispatch, to get mean and ugly with them. Well, my dad's a truck driver. My brother-in-law is a truck driver. I've worked for a trucking company before. To date, at that point, I, the the longest I'd ever worked anywhere was a trucking company because that was the, the next thing that I got into after Ralph Vance fired me on the flooring thing. I was a billing clerk for RNL Carriers in Wilmington, Ohio. Did that for over three years. So I don't hate truck drivers. I don't dislike them. I don't feel like it's a good thing to abuse them. Truck drivers are not other people. Truck drivers are my family. These are just people trying to make ends meet for the most part. And just like any profession, you might have some good truck drivers, you might have some not so good truck drivers, but I don't have any interest in calling and lying to this guy, telling him that we've got another load once he gets where this one that we want him to take is going. And then once he gets there, pull the rug out from under his feet and say, oh yeah, sorry, that one ended up getting canceled. Now that we've used you and got what we wanted from you, I'm not willing to abuse truck drivers to try and crack that whip, calling them names, talking down to them, getting aggressive with them. How about you just treat them with respect and see how far that goes? How about you just be decent, take good notes, watch out because not everybody's honest, including truck drivers, but how about you try some kindness and some respect, some consideration? How about you treat them like they're human beings? instead of a tool for you to use that you can just throw across the room when you're angry with it. 
<coughs> it didn't work out so well working on that first broker's account. So I got transferred to a different account. Shannon. I don't remember the first guy's name. First guy was just a slime ball. Second was Shannon. Shannon was middle-aged and a bit overweight. It was just her and me. And Shannon didn't like that my wife and I, by that point, had, what was it, three children with a fourth on the way or four children? I don't remember which. No, we had four children by then. She didn't like that. She thought that was irresponsible. And she let me know that that was irresponsible to be having that many children. And she smiled in this awkward, condescending, you're an idiot sort of a way. And I laughed in her face. And so, well, that didn't work out so great long term. Have you ever been out west? Like, I'm from Montana. Like, there's a lot of space. We're not getting overcrowded on planet Earth anytime soon, Shannon. Uh, well, that was the wrong thing to say, apparently. It was the beginning of the end. There I go again, being entirely too honest. Daring to stand up for my right to have a family. Shannon, sorry. It's just not working out. So then I get transferred to another account. Mike Post. I'm still connected with him on LinkedIn. I should see about fixing that. Mike Post landed the Amazon account. And I was there on the ground floor helping cover loads, getting after it. Mike Post bragged about me to the whole team to the point that people were making jokes about how highly he was speaking of me. Gosh, Mike, like, are you going to marry Garrett? Like, geez. No, he's doing a great job. He gets loads covered. He's got the best margins of anybody. I'm making a ton of money because Garrett's doing a great job. Well, then another guy gets added, another guy gets added. There's four of us on this team. And one of the guys on the team didn't want to do his job. He didn't care. He wanted to schmooze. He sat behind me, and he didn't make some calls that he was supposed to make. And so we hadn't checked on some loads where drivers were at at a certain point in the morning that Mike felt like we should have called those people by. And I'm doing other things. And Mike was starting to slip with the stress and the strain of weeks of attention and pressure. And I think he was starting to crack. And he was starting to feel like maybe I've talked up this Garrett guy a little too much. And if I can't handle this Amazon account, Maybe, just maybe, this Garrett guy looks a little too good. And so instead of Mike getting after my compatriot, whose responsibility it was to make those calls and check on those drivers for the morning, he got on me and in front of everybody yelled at me about how we needed to be calling these people. Why haven't you called these people yet? Well, I don't much appreciate being yelled at in front of other people, particularly when it's not my fault. So I said something back, and I wasn't in the best of moods because of the way he was talking with me. It was entirely disrespectful, and it was entirely, entirely out of line, particularly in light of the way he had been talking me up to everybody, bragging on me. It did not make sense. So I talked back. I don't even remember what I said. I objected. I stood up for myself. Next thing I know, Mike is telling me he's going to go talk to Rob. 
tell Rob Wilson that I don't know how to do my job. Rob Wilson was our general manager for the office. Mike gets up abruptly with no more said, storms off to Rob's office, shuts the door, tells Rob, that's it. I want him off my account. I look at the other two guys sitting there in the cubicle with me, and they're both just like mouth hanging open. The one older guy, he was law enforcement and military, Coast Guard, I think it was. Tough old guy. I say old now. He's probably not, much, not that much older than how old I am now, but he's just shaking his head like that wasn't right. Something's not right. But it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter to the point that Rob calls me in and says, I don't see you being successful here long term. That was the last job I had before I moved back to Montana. I quit. It was a hostile work environment. They were trying to pressure me to be dishonest and to be abusive to people and to put up with being abused. I was making a salary of $35,000 a year, no overtime, commuting once again an hour each way to get there to be abused, to have my convictions trampled on, to be mocked for having convictions. It wasn't a compelling vision. And jokes on them, I went and made six figures in a much healthier, happier way. My next job was shuttling railroad crews while I looked for the right job, the right work, the right career in oil and gas. All of that is to say, I really don't appreciate when people think they have power over me and people think they have somebody else cornered and then they start being abusive because what are you going to do about it? What? You can't do anything. I've got you. Ooh, do you? Do you really? Do you have a right to talk to me that way, to talk to that person over there that way? When I'm in the right, but it's expedient for you to cover your tracks by throwing me under the bus, do you really have the cards? I've called a lot of bluffs in my time so far. Their sins will find them out. But my God is the Lord. And part of the reason why we named my fourth son Daniel Joseph is because Daniel, too, had jealous competitors at court who wanted him gone and they maneuvered to get rules made up specifically to oust him specifically to get him thrown to the lions because he was doing too good of a job and they didn't want to try to compete with that so rather than competing they were going to eliminate their competition by convincing the king to make a rule saying that for 30 days no one in the kingdom could pray to anyone but the king. So the king is being flattered. He's being told exactly what he wants to hear. He falls for it, makes the decree. And then when they come back smiling smugly because they know they've got Daniel now, after Daniel finds out about the decree, they go and they observe him. They catch him red-handed, praying to God instead of the king, 
Daniel ends up being delivered from the lions. God sends an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Who'd have expected that? Who would have thought? That's the God I serve. The God who's able to send an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. That's the God I serve. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. Do not fear man who can only kill the body and then has nothing more he's able to do to you. Fear God who can both kill the body and throw the soul into hell. Daniel's middle name is Joseph. Joseph got into trouble with his own brothers because he was daddy's favorite. Daddy gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And it didn't stop there. God gives Joseph a dream in which Effectively, his brothers and his parents and others are bowing down to him and serving him because he has authority over them. And Joseph, maybe being a little bit like Garrett, a little bit naive about these things, excited about what's good, what's true, celebrating a little bit too well, a little too openly little foolishly. His brothers get angry with him and they want to murder him, kill him. His own brothers want to kill Joseph because they're jealous. There he goes again, rubbing our noses in it. Instead of murdering their brother, they sell him into slavery. That's a lot better. He gets sold into slavery and as a slave in Potiphar's house, he does such an excellent job that he is put over the whole household. And when Potiphar's wife says to Joseph, come sleep with me, have sex with me, because he's a good-looking guy, right? He's an attractive young man. Have sex with me. Joseph says, no, 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 no. My master has entrusted everything to me. He's given me everything except for you. I could not sin against my master in this way. Hell hath no fury like a woman who feels she's been spurned. So she keeps after him, keeps after him, keeps after him. She's sexually harassing Joseph, Potiphar's wife is. Finally, at a certain point, she gets a hold of him. She grabs a hold of his clothes and says, sleep with me. She's desperate. She's going to get what she wants. Nope. Joseph runs out of there, slips out of her grip, leaves his clothes behind, even. Now she is really angry. And she tells her husband that he tried to rape her. So Joseph got me too'd. And his master, Joseph's master, doesn't double check. He can't bear the embarrassment of his wife possibly making the story up. And what actually happened? No. Sometimes people don't want to believe the truth. Sometimes people find it more convenient to believe a lie. It's more convenient to their interests. It's more comfortable. So Joseph gets sent to prison. Thrown in prison, where, again, he's so excellent. He somehow, at least according to what we have in the text, avoids being bitter. I don't know how he did that. I'm still bitter about... Ralph Vance firing me because his nephew was a bully. 
I'm still bitter about Pam and her anger management issues getting me fired and the and the not the plant manager the department manager getting me fired I'm still angry about total quality logistics working for several brokers who one by one tried to pressure me into being dishonest and abusive to people and wouldn't you know it I was making more money for the company by being pleasant, by being respectful, by being kind, by being considerate, by treating the person on the other end of the line like a human being. Wouldn't you know that was actually good business, but it made them feel self-conscious, and so I had to go. Joseph seems to avoid bitterness, and I think that's commendable, and that's part of why my son's middle name is Joseph, Daniel Joseph, because God is faithful. People are treacherous. People will be abusive to you and bully you as they're trying to jockey for position because they're insecure about their own lack of qualification for the position they already have and the position that they want in the future. People will bully you and try to make you feel worthless so that you don't call them out on their crap. They know their crap and they're afraid of being found out. And so to keep you off balance, they'll try and push you around. They'll try and put you in a corner. And if you stand up for yourself, and if you do it in a blameless way, moreover, if the truth is on your side, ooh, if you thought things were bad before, you just wait. They can get worse. So I've had this happen a few times. I've been down this road a few times. I know how this goes from a human standpoint. But God, if we're faithful what God has called us to, if we strive to be blameless, to have a good testimony, and to suffer even unjustly without sinning in our anger. In your anger, do not sin, the scriptures say. If we do that, God will reward us. There will be a blessing. I was just going through First Peter with the middle school and high school kids last Wednesday. I had a, a blessing and a privilege to speak to them for 15 minutes in theory. It actually ended up being probably more like 30 minutes, honestly, because I went through the entire book of First Peter, explained the themes, the repetition. What is it that's being emphasized here over and over and over again? It's that Christ suffered unjustly, but was blameless. And if Christ can suffer unjustly and be blameless, and that pleases God, we should have the humility to realize we too need to follow his example. We're not better than Jesus. So there's some situations that I'm aware of that I'm close enough to to have some details, which I can't share here. I see a great potential for being provoked. And what I want is I want the person who's being provoked to be blameless. And I want them to trust to God who sees what's going on and will reward faithfulness, whose grace is sufficient for thee. You're going to find yourself in a situation like that. You probably have. Be blameless so that on the other side of it, you can have a good conscience. You can have a good reputation. Even if people are trying to destroy your reputation, keep your nose clean. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Be what you're supposed to be about. Stay true. Stay faithful. Don't fear man. Fear God. Whoever fears the Lord, whoever trusts in Yahweh, will be safe. The fear of man lays a snare. That's all I got. 
That's enough for this episode. Thanks for listening as always. Let me know what you think. If you've had a similar situation, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to be able to incorporate that into my understanding of this topic, this no temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man scenario. Let me know. Reach out. But until next time, thanks for listening, and God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.